You see, Luxembourg's a constitutional monarchy, an independent sovereign state established after the Treaty of Vienna. Technically, it's a part of Europe, but in reality, they govern themselves like us. Just like us. How worried are you? About what? Episode 149, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Carl Ruddy. 149 episodes, Gary. 149, Prof. Still remember the first. Still remember talking about Johnny Blues. Wasn't great. Hell thinner. <laughs> 17 <laughs> minutes. We, we did our best. <laughs> um, yeah, so our wonderful sponsors, still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical for all your electrical needs and construction and anything else, pretty much. They can throw their hands at it. They are fantastic and they've been loyal to us for a long time now. So, Ocean Electrical are your top, top guys. So, get in touch with us or Ocean Electrical and Google them if you need any electrical work done or anything with construction. And then we're going to move on to our brand new financial prov- providence partner and it is Leinster Credit. And of course, they are a payday loan provider so if you need anything like that google Leinster Credit and they will provide you with what you need they do have all sorts of services do security cameras and stuff like that and um, yeah google Leinster Credit and check them out yeah we're flying with our sponsors and uh, there's a bit of a sponsor war going on between League of Ireland clubs I know it's Jay I have a question for you Gar it's a very serious question (laughs) why do Shamrock Rovers Football Club have an official drainage partner, a water bottle partner, a funeral partner, but not a premium hand-rolled ice cream partner. Never mind the premium hand-rolled ice cream. I want to know where the soft serve ice cream is. Like this, our, our the, this, media, get their fingers this, out. This club is in decline. We're Me- drawing football matches. We don't have ice cream partners. Board needs to be sacked. A whole bloody coup. Get them all out. No soft serve. No hand-rolled. It's nope. a joke. A joke, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is um, our sponsors. So, big thank you to them. And we may have another one coming up soon, we will let you know. So, we will review our opening league game of the season against Pats a couple of weeks ago. And there's an interview with Jeff Webb, who hosts Across the Irish Sea uh, <laughs> podcast. And we have Tifty, he says, Only actually watching Simpsons the other day, and uh, groundskeeper Willie was on. Um, uh, so we have Tifty's in memoriam. And this month, we pay tribute to John Danny Boy Cleary. And this one is uh, it's brilliant, full of good stories. Yeah. And full of the old schooler hoops, you could say. Older school hoops who would have been around. Uh, some funny pronunciations of Garnick. What was it? Is it Jabja? What's the pronunciation here? Garnick Jabja. A few pronunci- pronunciations funny. Yeah. And uh, funny I like, ones. I like the era they're talking about. Yeah, a lot of kind yeah, of that's 90s, what I like. Not, not really good times for the club, but some great people involved. 
and they're still around today. So yeah, yeah so that's uh, our um, in memoriam section. So we know podcast last week. The dairy game was postponed, so that'll be Tuesday, April thirteenth. Now, and, and did you notice that guard side, the keeper that was called up to the Northern Irish squad, he actually wasn't called up in the end so because of some some fitness issue. So after all that, could have played the game. So it would have been two players between two teams. That was the reason it was called. Well, Scales no, was with the twenty ones. Was he? Yeah. No, he wasn't. Surprisingly, Scales didn't get twenty ones. Yeah, so Pigo doesn't count. And uh, did Derry have another under twenty one or something? I don't know. No. <laughs> they must have. <laughs> Game postponed yeah. for the crackling. Yeah, so that was the reason there was no podcast last week. So uh, Pico going to Cape Verde. We'll talk about that in a while. But that's uh, that's gone under the radar. We need to make a big deal about that. So in the meantime, we have the full hashtag Winston meets Gary Shaw video up on YouTube to keep you entertained. And we have been banned in a couple of countries, prof, because of the content on this. <laughs> it was because uh, of the song. Was that cool? It must be because of that song. The end. We were yeah. banned in a couple of countries because we didn't uh, get the copyright <laughs> to it. So there you go. Tifty's yeah. banned in Russia or wherever it was. Yeah, we put out the Zack Schneider cut. The people demanded those extra eight the minutes. Zach Schneider cut. I actually <laughs> went to turn that on the other day and I looked at it. I was like four hours. No, apparently it's worth watching though. Who has four hours? Four, who sits there for four hours and that, watch a movie? That's half a working day. Yeah, it is. That's a good show. <laughs> yeah, well, for some. El Winston's becoming quite popular, isn't he? He certainly is, yeah. Folly in the club. You got to mention the programme last week by McDarrah. A uh, number of people told us they loved the, the Finner interview. Ah, he's brilliant. Is, is there a danger of him coming too big? Like, bigger than the podcast, even? I don't know. We'll have to do another another documentary. I think everybody knows a Winston. Could this get out of control? It could do. He could. It depends on his ego. Celebrity. Depends on his ego. Well, we make McCarty got in touch recently and he said, Just finished listening to the podcast, lads. Brilliant as always. Really enjoy it. Carl asked a question on the 1957 team. Oh, Mick. Uh, versus Man United for that team as far as I know still with us Hamilton, Nolan, Mackey and Darcy keep up the great work lads and uh, El Mick with the stats great yeah. El Mick McCarty the Senator providing us with a bit of info as usual thanks Mick and we asked people to send in the best teams they'd seen in the flesh and prof you have a few here ours were uh, hotly debated between me and yourself yeah so Jamie and work it was actually his idea in fairness so <laughs> I think I should read out his team he had 4-3-1-2 and it was Buffon, Finnan, Van Dijk, Kalini, Robertson, Gerard, Pirlo, Cruz, Muller. Oh, you like that one? Mm. Suarez and Torres up Overrated. front. Terrible uh, team. Terrible team. Kieran also work. Also, uh, man in, in his twenties. Just for context, these are these are young folk. Uh, David de Gea, Coleman, Van Dijk, Diaz, Evra, Michael Carrick, Pogba, Giggs, Bas Dost. Wayne Remember Rooney him battering and up front? Lewandowski, yeah. Right, yeah, Prof. I think, I, think, uh, I think our ultras will uh, appreciate that show because he, mm. he had a season at um, Frankfurt, didn't he? Yeah, get new work Dutch friends, Prof. Yeah. Rubbish teams, new work friends. You can tell who's the Liverpool fan, the United <laughs> yeah, fan yeah, there yeah, as well, yeah, can't yeah. you? So here's where it gets a bit better now. Phelan <clears throat> uh, Warren wrote to us. He said, first of all, cracking interview with David Connell. So thanks, Phelan. And he said, off the top of my head, my 11 of great players I've seen live and in person he's gone for a 3-7 formation oh lovely that's old school inside forward uh, Dasayev if I'm pronouncing that correctly uh, Baresi McGrath Maldini Jinky Johnston oh. Ronaldinho Kaka Iniesta Cristiano Ronaldo Messi and Van Basten that's not good 
Uh, it just shows you how they uh, they stood the test of time, didn't they? The, the, some of those players, and considering the amount of players that Phelan would have seen yeah. as well. We've another cracker here as well. We late in the red dial, and he goes for a three-four-three. Three. He goes with Buffon, Cannavaro, Zanetti, and Maldini at the back. Zidane, Iniesta, Platini, Maradona, Ronaldo, Messi, and Fat Ronaldo. Okay, no, no real topping that one. Yeah. No real topping that one. He said he saw Platini and Maradona at Wembley in '87 for a World Eleven against Football League Eleven. So that's extremely tough to beat. That I think one. we have a winner here. I think Leighton knocks the knocks the yeah. socks off that one. So keep tweeting the teams anyway, and we'll read them out because it's it's deadly. It's a conversation that go on forever, and um, yeah. So keep them coming. And our members packs, Prof, they have came. Yours is sitting fondly beside yeah. uh, McBurn's jersey. And all the Rovers memorabilia all over the room. Beside the, I think that might be the, the switch for the open up the dungeon as well. I've, I've been stroking my memory scarf in a creepy manner. <laughs> it's very soft. It's one of the coolest scarves in the world, I must that's, say. That's a crack. I like the stripe. It's very, very, very cool. And season tickets and members cards and badges all included as well. So once as, as usual, the members pack is a cracker. Yeah, everyone was taking pictures of it, weren't they, when it came in the posts? Uh, for some people, it's only their first or second year as a member. Some have been there from the start. We all matter just the same, you know. Mm-hmm. We're all members. Um, McDerry tweeted a picture of his all his member cards for eighteen years, all lined up. Very nerdy, but I approve. <laughs> and uh, what's the story with singing postmen, Gar? Did never happened, Gar. Not one of those two postmen people. Sang. Two people claimed this. We no. had Rob Lavelle's dad, and we had Dangerous Dave's postman. No, all lawyers. Singing about the hoops. <laughs> my, my postman has never sang about the hoops. Do you know what I reckon it was? I reckon they were walking out and they were going, with a pain in me fucking hoop. That's what it was. <laughs> They're not happy in their job. That's what it was. It's far more likely. Uh, so members packs, yeah. Get yourself involved as well if you're not a member. 50 quid a month, 600 a year and you get all the perks and uh, you can be part of the club. Yeah, so when I build up the Pats game in Tallet, they... We're the only team that we didn't beat last year, so two scarlet straws. They parked the bus, parked a couple of buses, and it was. Um, well, yeah. they were the better team last year at Talent, in fairness. We were down to 10 men for a bit of it, but. Yeah, in fairness, they were the better team that day. Mm. Um, the headline in the mirror, Prof, from Pat's midfielder Robbie Benson said he's not convinced of Shamrock Rover's greatness yet, so hopefully. Um, I don't know, I mean, he's played in that team, he's played in that Dundalk team, so he, he could have a point to himself more than anything, but. Are we great yet? Well, it annoys me more that the question is even asked because yeah. I don't think anyone has tried to claim that this Roberts team is among the great. No, yeah, no one did. Sides. No, I mean, we were by far and away the best team over eighteen games last year. We went unbeaten, but still more to do. Why the media insists on comparing teams that win their first league in a while, like Liverpool last year, for example, before they had even like sealed it. It was like, oh, well, they have to win two or three in a row to be among the greats. Yeah. Like, well, can you just wait until they win it first? It's just the media who want a talking point. That's it. Because they know that's going to frustrate people and they know it's going to create online furor. So that's what they do. It's, just, yeah. it's typical. That was too soon. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we drew one all with the drama coming in the last few minutes in the same start in 11 again with... Um, well, we didn't prick it right anyway. I don't think we did. But there was a minute silence held for all the people we've lost since the pandemic began as well. So, yeah, I think did you did you get the team Roy? Were you happy enough with the starting eleven? Same again. Well, we, neither of us predicted the same again. Well, Both of us went for green. Yeah, course. I think I dropped. Yeah. I dropped. I dropped Mandrew and I dropped Gaffney. Well, the thing is, he he's gonna keep playing Mandrew and Burke, and 
one or both of those players need to have a great season, don't they, for this team to win the league again? Yeah, I think so. so. Definitely Bork, anyway. Yeah. Uh, see, Jaden was a virtual mascot game for the game. He guess. certainly was, yeah. He's been getting into the Rovers mood recently. And um, that's tough as well because they're losing sight of it sometimes. The kids, you know, there's no Rovers there constantly. Like, and the, the the mood isn't the same because you're not going to the games. There's no lead up and stuff like that. So you just kind of have to, you know, fair play to the junior hoops, like I said, with the with the after school classes and stuff like that. That really helped as well. But it is tough to keep them their mind in the loop. I have to say, when I saw age 11 come up on the screen, I felt so old. Mad, no? <laughs> I was yeah. actually only looking at a photograph My today God. of his first game. The big bump on his head and he was picking his nose. Benay Yehuda. Bocker Bailey, late goal. Yeah, so uh, champions prof. Gold on the side of our sleeve. We couldn't get the big, huge, gaudy one, so we just got the, the lettering in gold as well. A very, very nice touch. It is indeed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and slightly related to that, did you see the lovely 18 league trophy badge? Oh, you certainly did, yeah. It was a badge or a pin, whatever you want to pin, call it. Pin badge. Yeah, but uh, Al Murray, great work again. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's top of, the, top of the pops, isn't he? He's the, he's the main man for badges in and around Dublin. So uh, he does all our stuff as well, which we're probably going to do, keep an eye out. But then again, like <coughs> we were on the, on the topic of merch and stuff like that, me and the prof were thinking about it, and I don't think we'll, there's no point really starting it until we get back in the stadium, is it? We'd rather be in the flesh and selling that, having the crack and... Yeah, I always imagined as us launching it in Europe and an away game in Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just for with three hundred hoops. A lot of them are friends. Mm. We set it there. It's the perfect time. And Instead of sitting at home, sending yeah. it online, you know, posting it out. I don't think it's a good vibe. So, but um, as for the game itself, um, our pal Brendan Dawsonger, he was actually in attendance and he was so loud. At this game from the East End, RTE asked him to move. What are we talking? Like shouting at the players? We're talking very loud, just shouting at everything. <laughs> he was so close to the microphone. <laughs> Good so, man, Brent. Jason Maloney, eat your hair, Yeah, so very little note in the first half, Prof. Um, they came out of blocks flying, I thought. I thought they started well, pressed us, yeah. wanted to play, which is, isn't normally the case with Pats when they come to Tala, they usually kind of sit back. And they were very physical in their faces. Yeah, yeah, they were. They didn't get a minute. Um, but they were. That's how they play, though. They do play like that. They were similar against Strada as well, where lads didn't uh, um, a couple like Dundalk midfield didn't really get a sniff. So you're you're looking at that type of pressing. You mm. need you need to move the ball quickly. But there wasn't really was, that, there wasn't really that much, was there? It was very high pressing, very energetic. Like mm. they couldn't keep that up for ninety minutes. But that kind of falls but, straight into the trap yeah. that we set, isn't it? From last year, last year we used to like that. We used to try and run players ragged and then hit them at the end. Remember, mm. tore them out. No, I actually was impressed with Pats in this first half. I was. Well, I thought they were good. Yeah. Uh, in terms of chances, I think it was just we had a couple of shots that went over the bar. Berkey had one from close range that was kind of blocked. But Pats, Pats had a lot of the ball actually. Yeah. I didn't get any stats uh, on it though I didn't get any percentage stats shots no. and targets stuff like that I love those I think if we could get one of those every game be well, brilliant. well I have some referee stats that I possibly am just making up off the top of my head but uh, yeah. th- there must have been 40 fouls in that first half and very, very how there. many were actually free kicks like maybe about 5 did you see the Aaron Green one no the Aaron Green one that was given for a free out absolutely insane it was no, nowhere near a free kick it, it could have been a penalty but 
He gave a free out. I was looking at it going, what is going on? What is the ref doing here? I don't know if you heard... He was in the box and I think he got brought down or something like that. It was a coming together and then he gave a free out. I was like, this fucking ref is off his head. I remember that's the one where jo- that Joey went mad. Because it was so stop-start. And it was infuriating. Yeah. And I think Joey was shouting at the fourth official. And he just goes, he's ruining the game! Yeah, he's dead, right? Really. Ah, yeah, listen! Hit <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, me boxes! <laughs> There was actually a big debate on Cody's call. I actually really enjoyed it. About the Gannon. Hold on, hold the on, Gannon hold on, hold on. Let me say. Let me, let me hear you say that again. You enjoyed a debate on Cody's call. Yeah. The prof. It's a a sad day in history. <laughs> but they like it was. Uh, it was Cody and Stewie and Kenny Cunningham. Right. They all had completely different views on this Gannon yellow card in the first two minutes. Like, Allen's insisting there's no way in a million years it's yellow. Cunningham's 100% it was. But one that made the point that, like, the referee kind of backed himself into a corner here. Because he, when he gave that booking after, like, two minutes, they just caused so much fighting afterwards. Like, yeah. Robert's Paris were like, it's like, oh, well, you booked Sean for that. You didn't yeah. book him for that. And it was so stopped. He put his foot in it, really, didn't he? Because yeah. he yeah. kind of set the tone and he, uh, yeah, no, he... he is it is it a case of do you agree with uh, like let's say someone puts in a harsh tackle in the first ten minutes? Do you think it's a case of ah sure only ten minutes in? Like is that a myth? Should that exist? Because a bad tackle is a bad tackle, you know, whether it's two minutes in or sixty minutes in. Do you know what I mean? No, like that's I, always the the show, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, it's we're only starting. No, you can't <laughs> think like that. But I'd like a fifty-fifty one. There's never like yellow that. in my book now. Yeah, no, I didn't think so either. But. Um, so second half then? Yeah, I didn't think... I thought we came out on top, but like a couple of the chances, in particular the Mandroy, Mandroy one was really frustrating. He should, the, the extra touch he took, mm. it killed him and it was blocked off the line. Um, we started to turn the screw. It just didn't happen for us really. Dylan Watts, Sean Kavanagh, back from injury as well. We're introduced with 20 minutes to go. Greener came on 55 minutes. Uh, their new keeper, Yaros, we were hearing a lot about him, weren't we? Teenage goalkeeper on loan and he saved from a Bork free kick as well. So that was pretty standard, but the free kick that he tipped around the post. No, the, that the, was different. The shot he tipped around the post that from Bork. That was play, yeah. That, that was outrageous. That got a little deflection. Mm. So he saw that late. That was that was an excellent save. That was superb. Um, there was another chance as well where the ball just randomly fell to Ronan Finn in the box. Like he wasn't expecting it. And uh, he couldn't stick it away, unfortunately. Great chance. But then Pascal straight down the other end from this. This was just instantaneous. And uh, this was actually the save of the match. But it didn't make the holidays package for some reason. But super save from Big Al because I was right behind this. And it swerved a bit and it was powerful. And he got a left hand on it. it excellent save. Who got, who took the shot? I can't remember who took the shot now. But I'm struggling to remember th- this This one. was a super save, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a couple players back and a few subs in, and I thought we had enough chances to win the game. I thought we had a better team overall. I mean, they they didn't back down and they did bring the game to us. It was a good game. It was a good game of football. Yeah. And um, the Lopez on goal hit us hit us out of nowhere, didn't it? Well, this was totally against the run of play because yeah. I don't think like Pats were good on the night, but I don't think they had ventured into our eighteen yard box for about half an hour at this no, stage. Not really. We were comfortable in the second half, and then they, I think it was Benson out on the left, wasn't it? He he put a ball in and yeah. it was like like Lopez said he had to get something on it which he was right to go for and it just went into the back of the net it was unfortunate really and um, yeah Pico said I've done him there a bit big Al it's unfortunate 
So uh-huh. that is uh, yeah, and then we went straight back up and got our uh, equalizer. I think it was Sean Hoare fancies now assist lately, doesn't he? Yeah, two bites of the cherry. Yeah, cross. he got. I think it took a wallop off someone's back, and then he got another one. But Greener just rose up like a phoenix. The, Barely, the, I love the headers into the ground. Yeah, the more I watch this goal back, the more I love it. How good because was he to get a ball? He got above Sambon as well. Yeah, that's right. He jumped Sambon, but um, he had so much to do to generate power on this and direct yeah. it. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And unfortunately, we just couldn't get. Not not much time to find a winner, but oh, I loved uh, Aussie Nate was slagging Aaron Green again, just at the wrong time. <laughs> what did he say? What, what were we saying on the? Was it Norway? Fuck him out. Yeah, fuck him out. Fuck him out. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what he said on this night, but he was just talking shit again. But um, our options on the bench. I mean, I know I, I know we have Conan Noon on the bench there. A young, very young lad, but. You called out our three subs there. Um, you know, Watts, Green, uh, and Cabin are back from injury. Cracking subs to come off the bench, aren't they? That's stronger than last year. Mm-hmm. Like, that can make a difference. Well, that would have been a Lua, mm-hmm. Williams, and. Brandon Cabin or Brandon Cabin, maybe, you know. So it's yeah. a, it is a much, much stronger squad overall. Lee Desmond getting man of the match by RT Prop. He's, I'm, a, I'm a long time admirer of Lee Desmond. I think he's very good. I think he's um, a player that we've. I, I'm nearly sure we've approached him in the past. I thought Scales played better than him on the night, though. Yeah, no, he was like he's, he had a very good performance, mm. but uh, Scales is just d- yeah. doing working wonders at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, Desmond was good. Actually, I thought Barrett was very good as well in defence. Thought he's like he was putting his body in the line and who? Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, he was, he was kicking everything. That's what he was yeah, doing. I know he's only slagged. I know he slagged him last week. Yeah. And saying that he was at a average signing, but yeah, he was kicking, lumping yeah. everything. He's obviously delighted to be able to Cambodia. That's yeah, it. yeah. Delighted to be home. Playing professional football in Cambodia. <laughs> it's a strange one, alright. But yeah, so Greener, we show a great character to get a point. And Bradley said, We had enough chances to be well out of sight, but we were guilty of trying to score a perfect goal. We were in the box trying to pull it back and pass instead of just finishing. We can't look for the perfect goal. We have to take what is presented to us. So he's definitely right. And I agree with him there. Yeah. Uh, strangely, coming out of the game, I kind of. I think some people felt the same. I felt better having equalised after going behind than if it had just played out as nil nil. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I felt I, a bit I, yeah, more positive. Yeah, because it's it's a goal, it's a late goal, it's an equaliser, yeah. isn't it? I Feels mean, great. I said that to Joey, and of course he just said, you know, clean cheese win leagues. Yeah, he's right. Classic Joey, but um, another brilliant goal scored into an empty cell stand, which just made me so sad <sighs> because imagine. Imagine being up there with that scales goal and the green header. Scenes in the perch. Yeah. Scenes. I was, I was reading Dan McDonald's in the Herald and he was he described the League of Ireland as a dormant bar missing its regulars. Ah oh, man. And it's horrible. I'd be I'd be the same as him, like I'd be I'd be conscious about complaining being at the game because I know like I know people would probably gladly swap places with me, but I just, honestly like I dislike it more every week because I find myself just thinking about what's missing and just depresses me because I was saying this to me missus actually and it's people who are saying to me Gar why don't you go and so obviously I can't just walk into the stadium but like initially at the start of last season there was an opportunity and I just thought to myself I don't think I want to sit there on my own and watch football fair enough with people to the left and the right and up in the back behind you but it's not. It's, I, I think I just said you know what give it to someone who 100% really wants to go and just be there in the flesh 
I, I don't know I just don't think football like the old mm. saying football without fans is nothing yeah. I just don't think I wanted it like that do you know what I mean this one hit me more though like when we, when we came back to, fin, to the Finn Harps game and we hadn't kicked the ball in 147 days the novelty of it was interesting and you were back and you were seeing the players and it was good and we were winning the league title but just the fact that it was the first league game of the season and actually starting a 36 game season like that in that sterile atmosphere sterile yeah it's the uh, way isn't it I mean, the sooner the better fans come back I tell you that much but um, yeah you were calling Bradley there he also said that, that McCann really controlled the game he played at, at his tempo yeah he's he's he's, he's a Rolls Royce he's really going to play a part for us this season in my opinion anyway yeah Um. obviously the it's become an echo chamber now people are saying oh we'll miss Byrne and McAniff Um. People copping that probably more so McAniff because we're going to miss his energy in the middle. I think we are. And but, um, it's gonna it's gonna reflect on our um, it's gonna reflect on our, our, our team selection now later on in the in the thing. I'm just having a little look here. It's tough enough. I think we're gonna it, have I think we're gonna have to switch it up a little bit for this Dundalk game. I think it was Maloney saying that it's more than just burning McAniff because our 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 three midfielder our three midfielders in last year's unbeatables like Cabal changed because last year it was Byrne McAniff Gary O'Neill and Greg Bolger yeah three of them are gone and Gary O'Neill is on the bench so we have Ronan Finn now hasn't played there in a year and a half yeah this is a completely different midfield it is it's a total when you think of it like that fair enough the, the players ahead of them are you, even, that's not even the same with Gaffney but it is it's tough it's tough to pick a team it really mm. is but I, I do I have, an, I have an idea of what I want and I think we need a little bit more grit this week as regards to ball retention. That's what my big thing is. I think we possibly get torn a little bit quickly and we haven't got the likes of a McAniff or a Gary O'Neill who are there to ret- to get the ball back and do a bit of graft. And so I think that's the that's where I'm going to change it up this week. Attacking-wise, he, Brazzer, he clearly rates Hor and he sees him as a part of our, our attack and play. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. He's often putting in more balls than Gannon. And he can score them as well. So it yeah. was his ball for the for the goal, of course. And um, he was a bit wasteful towards the end of the game, but I actually thought you had a very good game. Yeah, no, he is, and I like because he steps out with the ball like that type of player. Fair enough, mm. is is passing once again. Is it's not he's not on the same level as the likes of a McCann, but not many are. But um, yeah, no, he's he's a very good asset to have in the team. Uh, the usual overreaction on social media Kieran Stafford had the perfect response he says one game in for fuck's sake Rovers two years ago don't equalise calm down calm down which is right and it's <sighs> people are overreacting because we draw home at the first day of a 36 game season Get your fucking, give me a head of wobble do you know what I mean just relax take it easy it's a long season we will not know our form our first team strongest team to maybe 5 or 6 games in relax take no. it easy take one game at a time so we played a friendly at the UCD ball the day after involving players didn't start against Pats and it was a 2-2 draw I like this I like this getting legs getting minutes and legs it's good I think Aaron Green scored ahead of him um, and we do the results as well the season actually opened but dropped his 1-0 home win at home to Waterford with a late OG I think I spoke about this right did you ever see online you see videos and there's two drunk people fighting and they're the drunkest blokes in the world, right? And they're swinging punches at each other, right? Not one of them is landing. 
So they're drunk, they're swinging, they're punches, and one of them swings too much, and then he falls over and hits his head, and then the other guy is celebrating, as if he won, as if he beat shit out of him. That, that was that match. <laughs> that was how it was. Two of them not putting a glove on each other for 90 minutes, and then an own goal goes in and wins that's, it. That's an interesting description of a football match. <laughs> it was fucking horrible. It was terrible. I love how we spend four months thinking about how can we market our game? How can we get? A, how can we put the best possible look on it? And we have all these people thinking on all these smart people. And then we decide, Drogheda versus Waterford at 5.45 with Siobhan Madigan on commentary. <laughs> That's what they come up with. Uh, to, launch, to launch our 21-21 season. Siobhan Madigan. <laughs> Poor woman. <sighs> Yeah, uh, it was after uh, quote Nate again. He said, "Who's this one calling the match? Sounds like she's trying to. <laughs> sounds like she's trying to pass a kidney stone. <laughs> That's what we were saying. Remember, as he comes, Javon, not again. Pass a kidney stone. The ever quotable Aussie Nate. Uh, yeah, so that was the season opener. Anyway, and then on Saturday." They had three games. There were six o'clock kickoffs. Longford 2 0. Surprise 2 0 uh, against Derry and Sligo. 1 1 with Dundalk, who are robbed. Uh, young yeah. John Flynn, 17 years of age, playing up front and holding his own. Clearly onside, that goal. Yeah, isn't it? Oh, crazy, man. It's madness. And then we had uh, Finn Harps beating Bowes 1 0 up there. And Profs yearly, or was it your annual prediction? Yeah. And he gets it right. Prof won a few quid and a nice 16 to 5 shout as well. Yeah, you up the 54. You up the 54. It was yeah. a great show, Prof. Prof has these, and whenever he does it, I always say, I always double check and I go, Is this <laughs> one of Prof's predictions? Yeah. Yes, all right, mortgage on it. 226 euro returns, not bad. Nice, nice for I actually, I actually checked the cash out three minutes into injury time and I would have got 200 euro and I didn't take it. Because I just felt balls were never going to score. Yeah, they were terrible. They really were, and they're struggling yeah. as well. And in fact, we have some uh, balls fan reaction here to that result. Yeah, yeah, just had to get the back up and running there on fucking Bobby boiling balls around. You have to go on and fucking lose and one up Dunny Gold or fucking Finn Harps, yeah. And 24 7 is fucking Bobby boiling. I tell you one thing. This is all out of fucking bleeding. This is all out to keep long, you fucking gobshoot, yeah. You boy didn't you fucking bring on Bashi in here, you stupid div, yeah. And that's a great analysis, yeah. Yeah. Didn't mention Lambert, though. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, yeah, so that was the results from then, and the balls game was terrible. Terrible. They really struggled to create anything at all. Switched over to Dundalk as well. Dundalk played well. Or no, sorry, Sligo. Sligo should have had it. Um, but the Harps Twitter account had a stormer that night as well Prof yeah their updates were hilarious it's because there was no clock um, is this the case with all the games but in that game anyway the clock was missing I haven't seen one why, why, why no, no clocks, clocks? Oh, I don't know but anyway there was no clock in the game so the guy doing the, the Harps official Twitter updates just goes uh, very open game here no idea how long is left very stressed <laughs> <laughs> just guessing yeah. Um, and I, I felt the same of course because I'm fucking waiting on a bet but uh, got, you got shots cleared off the line by Webster and Boyle great lads yeah top lads yeah. top good Sean Boyd the chance for 2-0 Jeez, in injury he should've, time he should have hit the target at least but listen it's good to see him back yeah. playing ball Ryan Connolly wasting time with the corner flag great yeah. players great all, players go, all top top hoops agents yeah. great so yeah, it, was, it was good to see Boyle back actually yeah. um, did you know his Harps programme 
uh, it was available for free yeah with a discount and the discount was d7 slash hipsters oh very apt very apt yeah, yeah so we t- p farrell tweet of the year maybe bows should have spent the off season trying to patch up the defense instead of the ozone layer i like this and he is the ultimate warm have you ever noticed him have you ever noticed this fella online I think I've seen him once or twice. Yeah, yeah check him out. He's, he, I think I've had a couple of uh, uh, instances with him, but he's he, he just he's good. <laughs> I like him. He takes a piss. So, so we'll, we'll we'll cover the the next results uh, in a minute. But imagine trying to play a last man stand. It was yeah, we had a many knockouts in ours, but even yeah. the, even the first week, like everyone would be out. The money is flowing in the Tifties group. Yeah. We've the Tifties Golden Gold, the Tifties Last Man Standing. We've only six left in Arizona. A six left, yeah. Yeah, fuck you, Bray Wanderers. <laughs> oh, you went with Sligo. Um, and that was in the, the games before that. But this week's tough. This week is very tough. I'm thinking about going for Rovers. Um, yeah, so that is that. And we, Alan Colley quickly declared we will have a proper title race this season, that's for sure. And the, the based results. On, based, based on one game, he yeah, declared. Well done, well done, Alan. That's what I said. That's what you get for listening to him. I said I liked one second. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. People have really sharp memories because there's shocks in every opening day, in nearly every season. Some teams start slow, others start well. Pico described it well. He said, Helter Skelter. They're Helter all just, Skelter, yeah. They're all just fighting for points early on. Uh, Dundalk have now added players from the Central African Republic and South Korea to their squad as well so um, multilingual dressing room to say the least I can only imagine Jim Magilton's brogue would be the struggle to understand them in there really trying to tap into that Asian market yeah I know Yeah, I mean has this I think you made the point has this ever worked no like is are we expecting all every Korean in fucking Korea or his hometown to start buying Dundalk jerseys is that what they think is going to happen Gary if a club in Loud taps into the Asian market I'll quit this podcast I'll start supporting balls <laughs> he'll eat your hat I'll, how about Ollie another classic from on the uh, <laughs> little Korean boy <laughs> <laughs> little Korean boy and what do you say six points yeah. won't keep us up from uh, relegation yeah um, good show from from Paul McGrath he when the player from I think it was from the Central Is this Af- the Black Pearl or is this the Palm Grass? This Rovers? is our Palm Grass, the Rovers one. When the player from the Central African Republic signed, I think he said The only explanation for this squad they're assembling is Moneyball. It has to be. He probably had the longest throw in the world or something like that. Yeah, that's that wouldn't surprise me. Um but then again if you look at the Korean guy that he signed He's played, I think, I think he's played in Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan, and he's played a couple of games in the K League. Mm. Other than that, that's. But Gar, Koreans have a great attitude. <laughs> All of them. All of them. Every one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about Dundalk beating again at home to Finn Harps the following week, and their first defeat to only gone in at fourteen years. And uh, good Dubliner, good Dublin man. I think he used to play yeah. for Glebe North. Adam, Adam Foley smashing them in and. <laughs> A BB was um, a BB <laughs> with a terrible force touch and then a clanger for yeah. Foley to hammer home and a super finish for a second one. Touch come in, had a lot to do, took the ball outside the box, travelled in and buried it. Super finish. This was this was Tom Moresque, wasn't it? This oh God. from a BB. Terrible. It's great to see. I remember after the President's Cup, I heard words like he's mad and eccentric, as if that's a good thing. 
You don't want that. Don't aren't all those keepers end up being terrible, especially League of Ireland ones. Yeah, the Mad Eccentric ones. You want solid boring ones. Yes, for League of Ireland. <laughs> no, we're not talking about anyone in particular. Anymore. <laughs> um, Sligo came from behind to win two one in Waterford, and these are uh, crackers. This this the Parks goal buried, and then what was the other one? Uh, Gibson, who actually oh yes, Gibson made, did all the work for the well, not all the work, but. It was his ball for Parkskill and he scored the second one so he looks very good. Yeah, he is. He's starting, yeah. to, t- he's starting to play well and he played well against us since I remember we made a note of that. Yeah. We thought he played well. I love the commentary for Parkskill. He just like smashes it in with a body and John Kenny goes and he finishes it. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, John. It's like, are we watching the same game here? So that's, uh, that put me through into the last one standing anyway. I was happy enough with that. Fuck um, you. <laughs> Late winner from Billy King saw Pats beat draw the 2-1 and both squandered a 2-0 lead at home to Longford to draw 2-2 so a brace from Conor Davis who sprung from the bench and to quote Barney the famous Barney Shamrock Rovers exist to win silverware for everything else there's Dan Lambert and yep. um, yeah so that's four, the roundup. four points for the Kulchi Bowls so far Kulchi Bowls yeah I can't don't, wait to play them actually don't think anyone would have predicted that I think everyone who called into the Tipsy's hotline had them to finish last yeah I'd, and they probably still will yeah early days two games in the 36 game season <laughs> but uh, I, do, I think Drawhead have a much better squad though Drawhead have signed very well Drawhead have signed experience and that's a yeah. big thing in this league which you will remember that as well um, Prof so uh, we have another one of your famous features Prof Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Jeff Webb. You'll hear all about him now. He'll he'll tell you how he got involved in the in the League of Ireland. So here's Jeff. Uh, okay, so we're joined now by Jeff Webb, host of a new League of Ireland podcast called Across the Irish Sea. Uh, he's done four episodes so far, probably five by the time you hear this. So check it out on Spotify. Uh, Jeff, you're from Glasgow. So where did your interest in Irish football come from, and what inspired you to do this podcast? Oh, well, it's a it's a little bit of a, a, a long story. If I'm if I'm totally honest, I uh, I went to school in Dundee, and uh, you, uh, I'm a Dundee United fan by my own sins. And Dundee uh, United, especially when I was I was younger than going, like a lot of their players came from uh, they got a lot of players from League of Ireland, so Totten, like Sir Sean Dillon, um, Brian Ritchie, uh, John Daly, to, to name but a few, <laughs> Gavin Gunning, but we're not going into him too deeply. And um, so I was kind of intrigued because they always turned out to be uh, quality players for us. And then inevitably they get uh, scythed off to go mostly to, to, to England or, or occasionally, if they were lucky, they end up at Celtic's gate. And um, so I started taking an interest back then, uh, taking a look into to, into the league. And United used to play a lot of friendlies in Ireland. They used to, it used to be quite quite a common occurrence that there'd be pre-season friendlies in Ireland. So uh, me and a few of my pals we used to go across to the friendlies. Uh, don't get me wrong, it was uh, mostly bows and um, I think it was Ashland Town we used to play quite regularly. Uh, Bray a couple of times. So yeah, that's where it came from. And then I started, I did in my old job, <laughs> uh, worked a lot in Belfast and used to go down to to watch. Well, I used to be there in the summertime and obviously there's, there's no football going on in Belfast at the time so I used to go down on a Friday night down to watch uh, League of Ireland games just because it <laughs> gave me something to do to be honest 
you're obviously just starting out with this podcast. Uh, I love I loved your brutal honesty in episode two, where you said you listened back and you were like, "Oh, that was terrible." And then there was another one where you said you forgot to press records. You had to do the whole thing again. But uh, we we've done nearly 150 episodes here at Tales from the East End, so. I know it does take a while to find your feet and I wouldn't like to listen back to our early ones when you're when you're so new at it. Yeah, the <laughs> the first episode, I was like, yeah, I, you probably understand this yourself. It's like, you, you honestly, you, you write down, uh, like you've got like a wee bit of a script and you got pointers at you. And honestly, I, I went through it and it was just such a disaster. Honestly, I say disaster. It was just so... Um, Listening back to it, I was like, oh, my God, why have I published this? And then <laughs> I concluded in the end, as it's best keep it up for a little while because it gets, you'll know this, but like it puts the podcast through. Like, like, to get onto certain sites, you need, obviously, to go through a certain number of checks. So I was like, ah, it was a terrible episode, but I'll keep up for a wee while just because it got the podcast into where I needed it. So then the next two, three, four, five episodes go through. They're just going straight on, and there's not going to be a massive delay between me saying, oh, it's up, and then people going, no, it's no one. They go, I don't know it is. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a disaster the first episode, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> uh, you're a bit different from the other League of Ireland podcasts. First of all, because you're going solo on the microphone every week. So that's that's different. And second of all, you're a target audience because you're you're kind of trying to get more people like yourself in Scotland and the UK to take an interest and give our league a go, you know, stumble up to 59 euro. Um, as you say, you, you follow Dundee United, I think you said. Have you found a similar humour and humility maybe between the League of Ireland and the Scottish leagues that you think maybe other fans in your neck of the woods might relate to? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I obviously live in Glasgow, so uh, the team that I watch it predominantly at the moment is Queen's Park because they're my localist side. Um, but outside of the old firm or Glasgow Derby depending on what I, what's, what side you want to fold upon um, yeah it is, it's, it's very similar people in Scotland outside Rangers of the Celtic are so you have to laugh at yourself honestly you, you can't take it too seriously you have to you have to just accept sometimes life's just a bit terrible and I think League of Ireland, like attitude wise, people have got the same sort of attitude. Obviously, Rangers and Celtic see a complete different, and then a complete different spectrums to the rest of us. But um, I think the connection between the teams below them and the League of Ireland, the, the, the fans' attitude are the same. The, the fact that you know realistically that, especially for, for, for me personally, like Dundee United, I know they're never going to win the league. I'm, I'm not daft enough to think they're ever going to do it again. So I did it once, and we'll live off that glory forever, but we'll never do it again. And if you go to a football match and you and you, you just want to, if, if you go to a football match and getting the three points is the biggest highlight of the week and not expected, that's that means you have to really <laughs> sort of enjoy what you're doing. You have to take it with a bit of a laugh. You have to accept that there are going to be absolutely insane stories coming out of your league. I mean, for us last season, uh, we had a court case and everything, and it just all went to absolute. It just went absolute. It was an absolute disaster of the season. But you still have to smile at the end of it because it's not the end of the world. Um, and you can be happy. There's no extra, um, outside, let's say, outside the range of stuff, there is no extra uh, like political angles of any clubs. There's no extra religious angles of any clubs. It, those two are complete different. But for the rest of us, you have to sort of relax and enjoy it. That's it's the best way to see it. And I think League of Ireland, I think a lot of the fans are starting to, to sort of 
see football that way. They've, they've realised that, not to say they've realised that your place in the world, but you sort of, I suppose you sort of have to really, I, I guess, because, um, you know, you know you're never going to be Champions League winners or you're never going to have players that have, have cost, basically cost money to bring a player in. Like Dundee United haven't physically paid for a player in nine years. Uh, it's mostly free transfers or, you know, strange loan players that like you look at the credentials and you think, that's a great loan sign. And then you see them playing, you're like, I see why they're here. <laughs> and um, I think it's the same in League of Ireland. You, you look at some of the players and or and you're like, well, that guy's come on loan from Manchester City. And you're like, oh, that's fantastic. And then you watch him play and you think, no, I can see why. <laughs> I can see why he's here on loan from Manchester City. He's never going to be a Manchester City player ever again. Or you have free agents that you look at their past history and they've got, they've had more clubs and seasons. It's that's the sort of that's the sort of world that I that, that my team operate in. And to be honest, I find it entertaining because I think a lot of League of Ireland teams operate in that same sort of sphere yeah. of <laughs> players with an interesting history. It's probably the best way to describe them. Uh, you've obviously bought your Watch LOI subscription to watch the games from from over there in Scotland. And uh, the first vision they're going to use. Pixelot cameras to stream their games and you'll be quite familiar with Pixelot because it was brought in in Scotland and there was there was a few hiccups like mistaken the referee's bald head for a football for example so <laughs> what can we expect from Pixelot? Oh pretty much that to be honest um, <laughs> I watched a game yesterday it was a Brecon City versus Queen's Park not the most entertaining of, of league games you'll ever see in your life and the Pixelot camera just kept getting there was a a wee, it's like a bag of crisps or something like blowing across the back terracing. And it, it's on it. I'm not even joking. It, it spent 15 minutes chasing it. And they, <laughs> put an, they put out an apology this morning to say that you can get your, get your money back if, if you pay for the stream. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. It, it's, I feel <laughs> the system in principle, when it first when it was first announced, uh, in principle, the, the idea is fantastic. But honestly, the execution has been nigh on terrible and um for, for, for uh, the um alloy tv it's actually it's a lot more sensible than it is in scotland because uh, in scotland the clubs are selling it individually so on average it's about a tenner so if you watched if you watch the alloy tv one or you watch the highlights yet you'll see that like you everyone will start to see what the problem are it, it, it doesn't really focus uh it sort of it will follow a bold man it will follow a wee bit of rubbish if you've got advertising holdings up, it'll follow them instead of following the ball. Um, you can't really work out who the players are, <laughs> but um, at least you're not going to pay a tenner per game for it, I suppose, is, a, <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the benefit. Like I say, in principle, fantastic. Reality has been, it's, it's not it's not been ideal, and I'm not like to you. <laughs> it's, it's, it provides more stories, but that, I suppose, is the best way of viewing it. Keeps you entertained. <laughs> Not that you want it, but it is good. I see you have a book coming out this year called Scotland's Lost Clubs. And uh, I know we've had our fair share of those in Ireland too, with the likes of Sporting Fingal. And we've had about 10 different versions of Cork. So is this something that really interests you, these defunct clubs, who they were, and what happened to them? Uh, yes, and no, if I'm honest. That's it. Scotland, the book more came about because um, I've, I've been writing uh, a few pieces about lost clubs in Scotland 
and I spoke to I spoke to my missus, and she was like, "You should compile them." And I was like, "Aye, aye, so will, so will." So on the off chance, I sent an email to a publisher just to see if anyone was interested. In, and yeah, they were, and it kind of fell in because um, it's the 150th anniversary of Scottish League being formed, 140th, sorry, anniversary of Scottish League being formed um, next year when the book's due to come out. So it sort of fell into place. And also, the, the, the clubs that I'm writing about are, like one of them was a was a world champion beating uh, England's Preston North End, who were unde- undefeated that season, apart from a small village of 2,000 people beating them. <laughs> um, a couple of other ones are places that I've stayed, I've lived in, and uh, I knew about the clubs, but I knew they'd been defunct. And a few of them are just kind of crazy stories. So it's not all of the clubs; it's just a, it's, it's, a, it's a handful of them. But uh, it, it was more I, I like the. Um, it's going to sound so up myself, but like the purity of the football. So like, I like watching already football because it's a lot more. It's not more real. It's not where football should be. It's there's no you feel connected to it. And these are the stories of clubs that you that were just community clubs. They weren't. They never had any superstars. They never had any foreign players. They never had any uh, any basically mercenaries come just coming in for money. They were just pure football clubs by the local people. And that bit still resonates. I think with me personally, um, and I, I I just enjoy reading and learning about their stories and how. Because, like I say, in Scotland, it's it's ranging itself to win everything. And once in a blue moon, someone else will win a cup. Uh, but these are the stories of the clubs before the dominance existed. And you just sort of like want to ring back to the days when it wasn't just, you know, <laughs> yeah. two clubs winning everything. You just hold back on the on the history. <laughs> just had a quick look there. You're a local Queen's Park. They're uh, top of the table in the, the Scottish League too. And uh, a couple <laughs> of tiers above that, then we have Hearts, who are miles ahead in the championship and uh Rovers fans obviously keep an eye on what's happening at Hearts these days because uh Aaron McInef made the move up there and uh but you wouldn't know they're 15 points clear going by their form oh. because a lot of Harris fans having meltdowns the last few weeks especially after that embarrassing cup defeat to a team in the Highland <laughs> League so seems to be pressure building is this more than just a wobble do you think oh, for Hearts um Firstly, like Aaron McInef went there, and I'm not lying to you. I was speaking to a couple of um, Hearts podcasts, and they, they, it wasn't on the thing, but I was speaking to them because they asked they asked me about uh, what I thought of Aaron McInef. I said it's an absolutely fantastic signing, but <laughs> Hearts have signed about, and I'm not even lying, about six wingers this this season. Uh, they've signed nine nine midfielders, I think it is something daft like that, and. Um, I said to him, I was like, see if you give him game time. He's, he's a great player for you. He'll, he'll, he'll create your chances. And fingers crossed, you know, he'll jump in with a few goals. I know for, for Rovers last season, it was only really the back end of the season he got his got his goal tally up. Uh, but for Hearts this season, it's um, it's been an interesting season, I think, for them. Obviously, they protest about the fact they got relegated. But if you're four points adrift at the bottom of the league, when it's cold, and over three quarters of the league's been paid, if you you can't really argue too much, but they did. They went to court and they lost. Um, but their performances, despite the fact they're at the top of the table, I think they're. I think with Dunfermline and losing last night, I think they were 13 points clear, and they, the performances have been shocking. I mean, they've got well, they've won mostly one or two nil. 
they've not really had, I think they beat Dundee on the opening day 6-2 and they had a 6-0 win against Queen myself. And apart from those two performances, the performances elsewhere have been, have been fairly terrible. Uh, I mean, they've been a credible performance in last season's Scottish Cup final in December. And they did a, they didn't do a particularly fantastic job in the League Cup. Scottish Cup, obviously, they went up to border. That performance, if you look at the starting lineup for that team and you look at the performance, it is really, unju- it is really shocking. It is arguably one of the worst results in the Scottish Cup, in the Scottish Cup's history. And there's been a few entertaining ones. Uh, they played against a team that haven't played competitively since the start of December. A team that's had two training sessions since uh, the end of uh, the end of February time. They've had one bounce game, and to get they went down one 0 they, they pulled it back, and then to lose two one without really laying siege to the ball of gold is a fairly turgid performance. And then yesterday they were two 0 down within the first ten minutes. They pulled it back to two two. You think right two two? They've got third fourth biggest biggest budget in Scotland. They should really be pulling ahead, and to to lose three two is is fairly unacceptable. Uh, their fans were out in force. The manager Robbie Nielsen, it's quite he's he's, he's done something quite impressive, which is uh, get promoted twice out of the championship in two seasons in a row by double figure points gaps and still be despised by both sets of fans. I mean, <laughs> that is some record going that for the boys. So how do you even do that? Yeah. Uh, he annoyed United fans because we were winning but we weren't winning particularly while we were winning 1-2-0 it, it's sort of he'd get a 1-0 lead and instead of trying to push on for the second he'd sort of sit back and we were starting to concede late goals which took the wins to the draws we were still miles clear we were still successful we were still going to get out of the league uh, and then he left us to go to Hearts uh, where he'd been previously and been booed out of the park beforehand with Banners being flown over the ground and everything. So he's gone back to Hearts and the problems that he had at Hearts first time round seem to have come in second time round, but quicker second time round. He's also, like I said, he, he's brought in quite a lot of players, but he doesn't seem to want to play the players he's brought in. So Aaron McInef, I don't personally think he's had a fair crack at the whip. He'd been there, I think, three weeks before he got his first day, before he got his debut and it was only off the bench. Um, so it seems to be going for more older professionals but I mean yeah yesterday Christoph Berler was the Hearts captain he's got the, <laughs> he's got the turning circle of that evergreen ship stuck in the Suez Canal he is he's just he hasn't got what he used to have and the pressure is mounting on top of Robbie Nielsen and the problem is with Hearts Hearts are uh when they do sack a manager, the new manager comes in and they tend to do a complete rebuild and a lot of the players that were there beforehand seem to just get shifted out. So if he turns it around and he gets the fans back on side, I think they've only got five games after the season. So him, the likelihood of him getting sacked is is, unlo- is unlikely to say the least. But um, I wouldn't have thought with the squad that he's built, the names should be better than they are. But I think with the squad that he's built, I think they'll struggle in the mm. in the Premiership next season if they go, uh, when they go up. I don't think they won't. I think when they do, it's just going to take a bit of a rebuild because the players he's brought in just haven't really been overly good enough. Or the system he's playing them in isn't allowing them to show off their skill set. Well, getting back to the League of Ireland, um, we've seen some mad results in the first couple of weeks. Has it changed your mind at all as to 
who you expect to be in the title race. So basically what I'm asking is, can anyone stop Finn Harps? <laughs> Absolutely nobody can. Now, um, as you'll know from my uh, from my episode, I made a stupid suggestion stating that I think Bowles have got a chance if they keep their team fit. It uh, turns out I know nothing about football whatsoever. Um, I think... I've, I've been pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I mean, the one team that I did say that I thought, uh, I don't think I, was, I clearly wasn't the only one. A lot of people said this. But I said I feared that Watford wouldn't do particularly well this season. And uh, I'm not lying to you. On Friday night when I was watching the game, I was like, ah, you, you've done me. You've absolutely done me here. Uh, but I think um, Watford look at risk. Longford, I, I was pr- pretty impressed with Longford yesterday with their comeback. Perhaps, I mean, I watched that Dundalk game and I I was Dundalk have let me down twice now in the fact that they seem to just sort of stop playing if that, if that makes sense I mean the goal that they conceded in the President Puts final was because they switched off at the back and Liam Scales got a free run down that wing and absolutely no one seemed to challenge him and he just appeared and then when you watched, watched them play against them on, on Friday night the second goal the second goal that Van Hap scored was, again, no one seemed to be aware that someone was running down the wing and they absolutely stopped. And the worst bit was is that they had a warning shot about two minutes beforehand and he like, that, that, that should have shocked you into action that someone might be running down that wing and it happened again to him. So, yeah, Finn Harps, I've been impressed with. I'll be honest, I didn't think they would be, I didn't think they'd be in the bottom two. I thought they would be at the bottom end of the table. I didn't think they'd be in the bottom two, but they've been absolutely fantastic to start this season. And like you say, no one, no one's going to stop them. <laughs> They'll romp to the title. But nah, I, I, they've been impressive. Longford Town have been equally impressive. Their comeback yesterday was was great. Uh, I've been. Let, uh, I feel like uh, Bulls have let me down. I thought they'd I say that. <laughs> I say that. Um, but uh, I thought that they would have put up a better fight. I did say in my in my podcast that I thought this week weekend against Longford that they would try to right the wrongs from last week like try and actually score and they did the score twice and then they just sort of stopped they just they seem to switch off at the back which cost them last week it's cost them again this week I think that their challenge is, is already over before it's even really started because that's their their starting 11 and like I said if they get injuries and they get suspensions it's never will come they they ain't they, they won't do a lot lot more than that uh, Waterford out with Kyle Ferguson who have an absolutely I watched him play against Queen's Park in a Glasgow Charity Cup <laughs> Charity Cup match about a a year ago, and he he's grown into himself a lot. He was just sort of a, a lumbering centre half, really, just sort of smacking the ball, smacking the ball into Rosehead, and um, and I watched him play for Watford, and he's arguably been their best player for the last two games. But Watford's. Uh, <clears throat> Wolford's signing policy is a bit, I find a bit strange, to be honest. I th- it's almost like they've, they've just sort of rocked up in the League of Ireland and they're like, ah, we need a player, we need a squad. Because I think I said I said to one of my pals that I thought that uh, the policy of signing loads of young on loan players from English teams, I know predominantly Wales, <laughs> Swansea, but from, from British teams, uh, and then lose them in June and try to rebuild a squad of free agents and loan signs again, isn't necessarily the best way of... <laughs> Of going for the entire season, but um, I actually, I actually checked uh, the Waterford starting lineup from their last game of 2020 and the first game of 2021. 
And the goalkeeper, Brian Murphy, was the only one to start both. And that's a team who came within one game of qualifying for Europe. Like, that's extraordinary. Yeah, I find it a bit... Um... I mean, it obviously it happens a lot in League of Ireland, happens a lot over here as well. But the team almost, in the off-season, almost completely changes. So you rarely see a team field the same, feel more than probably, say, half the team one season to the next. But this season's been a bit different because most teams in League of Ireland, I think, have kept their squad together from last season. I mean, Rovers have, with obviously the notable exception of uh, Aaron McInef and, and Jack Byrne. Um, but Waterford just yeah, like you say, that Delhi do something similar in the last couple of seasons that I've noticed, and it. I suppose if it works for them, it works for them. But um, me personally, you either thought you'd rather keep a squad together for most of the season. Everyone knows June, July time. You know, a lot of players get sided away and, and end up going across to the UK. But um, you'd have thought, that, especially this season, especially with obviously everything that's happened off the field that you try to keep a, a squad together better or try to get more permanent signings and try and rely on, on loan signings to get you through. Um, but if, 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 they're con, if they're content with that sort of plan, then fair enough. But like you say, just to keep a, just keep an older of the keeper who is, what, 37, I think? 30, 37, I think Somewhere up there, yeah. Uh, that being your only consistent player from the end of last season to this season and especially as it wasn't it wasn't a particularly big break this year like no, no, normally it's, it's a good solid two three months this one it was a short in the break and obviously change of manager as well change of backroom staff as well it's yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one I suppose if you want to bring your own players in fair enough but yeah like you say 10 out all, all outfield change players changes is, is a bold strategy <laughs> bold strategy for this season I'll give them that so uh, finally, Jeff, what's the plans for the podcast this season? And uh, you can give any plugs you like there before you go. <laughs> uh, my only plug is please listen to it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as it stands, I'm trying to uh, <laughs> trying to stick to solely uh, domestic league line of football and uh, leave the national team sort of stuff uh, alone. That's there's a million and one podcast out there for people who want to learn about <laughs> learn about international football. But um, no, the, the plans really to try and, like, like I said, try and concentrate on the on the UK market and not just UK market, but further afield. I think, and it, it I think a lot of League of Ireland stuff. Um, I don't think it's intentionally done this way, but I think it's a lot of it's introvert. Like they, they try to keep it all in Ireland. Uh, what's, the, what's the best way of putting that? I said, as in, I don't think anyone really tries to aim outside. So I think people would be surprised with the amount of players that are. In the league of Ireland that have been in the UK, and it's just trying to like reconnect those fans of those clubs in the UK with that. Oh, that, oh, that, oh, so and so's still playing, he's still going strong. Mm. Uh, and it's also to try and build up the awareness because I think people, I can say this from my own personal experience, is uh, I think people in particular view players that go across to the UK, to England in particular and don't make it in England come back to like League of Ireland or Scotland. And they're amazing in those leagues. People instantly write them off. Oh, they couldn't do it in England. Like, well, no, there's there's often many reasons why the first player didn't make it in England, but they can do it in their own division. And most of the time, it's off the field. It's very rarely on the field. And you just try to like make people aware that like you know these players are quality players. I mean, so far, 
strangely enough, the only bad match that I think, I say bad, the only match that wasn't particularly spectacular was arguably the President's Cup final. I mean, the Pats were over, the Rose Pats game was, I thought, quite entertaining. We're going to do goals only came in the last, in the last five minutes, but I thought it was quite entertaining. Whereas, um, I think there's only probably been one bad game, and I think that Dundalk, I think that President's Cup final was made worse by the fact that the Watch LOI sound just completely failed in the last 10 minutes, <laughs> which, which did make it somewhat worse. But, um, just trying to make people aware that I know these games are available. It's a summer league as well. And I mean, I know we've got a Euros coming up, but I mean, I don't think most people are overly. I mean, Scotland wise, we're interested for three games, and that's all we'll be interested in. <laughs> and then we'll go off and be drunk somewhere. But um, trying to make people aware that it's a, it's a summer league, it's an entertaining league. It's a, it's a genuinely, it's a league that I know this season you can kind of predict who's going to win it, but it's a league that's, that both ends got a lot of interest. You can't really predict either side of it. Well, there's other leagues, it's a lot easier to do. The quality is actually really good. <laughs> it's not that expensive. I mean, it's about 50 quid. Uh, so, yeah, it's about 50 quid, sorry, if you're in the UK to, to, to buy the League of Ireland streaming. Compared to getting your Sky Sports or, or BT or whatever, I mean, you're paying for itself within weeks. Games are good. They're all in HD. I'd, um, you're just trying to really push it out to people' awareness. And I mean, the amount of people that listen to podcasts about leagues uh, outside of the UK, and you're like, oh, no, there's one, <laughs> there's one on your doorstep, and it's in the same language that you speak. It's 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 it's, it's all there for you. So that's what I'm trying to do is push it as much as I can because I think there's a market there. I think people just need to realise it's there. If that makes sense, I think they sort of don't think. Other of this league, they just you know go off in their own wee Premier League world, and that's, that's no it doesn't float my boat. Well, that's perfect. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. Uh, best luck to you across the sea there with the podcast for the, for the rest of the season. No, it's just a good luck with you. Cheers, Jeff. So, Jeff, popping his cherry on a podcast with a it's a, it is it's it's a cool concept. I have to say, it's a very cool concept. Well, that's the question I've written down there. Um, Will fans like him in Scotland or the rest of the UK actually pay fifty-nine euro to watch the League of Ireland? No, seems unlikely to me. I don't think so. Bless his little heart and cotton socks, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Um, I don't know how you know what? Socks I wouldn't. He wears. I, would you play to? Would you play? Would you pay sixty quid to watch League Two? No, if, half a season. If I had some reason to be interested, yeah. Like what reason have they got to be interested? Like former Rovers players playing or something like that, but. No. I don't know. Did, did you notice there was a guy on um, soccer or the RTE podcast a few weeks back? I think you did hear this one. He was talking about Watch LOI. He's like, he's the guy who runs Watch LOI. Right. And they had all the data from last year. Because in the way, when you sign up, you say who you support. Yeah. So they know who's watching each game. <clears throat> and he basically said that, you know, fans of Shamrock Rovers didn't watch the Waterford versus Pats games. <laughs> Fans of Sligo didn't watch the Finn Harms versus Bowes yeah. games. So, like, even people neutrals in Eredivisie league are not watching other teams' games. Yeah, no, it's I would, in fairness. I'd tune in if, if it was on, yeah? Would you? It's hard to believe, though, that Scots would start watching, but here we are. It's a mad world we live yeah. in. But, um, yeah, you had some insight into the heart situation there, Gar. Um, Adam McAniff. Yeah, I mean... 
Harris were full of praise for, or sorry, the fans were full of praise for, for Aaron for the first games. couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and now, now he's he's almost a scapegoat already. Yeah, but uh, supposedly a crisis there now already. Like they're twenty odd plus fifteen points ahead. They're gonna get promoted. It's madness. <laughs> James Lowe found this is a great spot. He found a Hearts podcast called Broken Hearts. Oh, I like that. It's and cool. after their defeat at the weekend, the, the name of their episode was just shambles and the description was only two words. Everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> so, 15 points ahead, going up into the Premier League, I guess. So I think that sums up where they are at the moment. Yeah. Well, we, um, can, uh, we, can, we can relate. Yeah, so that... The Twitter link to Across the Irish Sea podcast that's at Across Irish. And you can you can find his uh, Spotify links there. He's, he started a Patreon, which he says he's going to use to buy a good microphone. So get this man a microphone. Get this man a mic. He's a lonely Scotsman who loves our league for some reason. Let's do this, people. Yeah. And uh, he supports Dundee United, as you heard there. Uh, Gar, are you aware that the words Dundee United... Is used as an insult in Nigeria. Explain. There was a whole piece in the Guardian about this a few weeks ago. The Guardian, like, how do they use it? Just what context do they use it? Dug deep, in? deep research into this. Why is this an insult? Go on. And they came up with all sorts of reasons, possibly links between the United and the country of Nigeria, and they had to go all the way back to a 1972 tour when Dundee came over. And there was supposed to be this flash, great Scottish team who would show show them how it's done. And they were absolutely wogeous. And they got hammered in every game. Cap Melogen. And apparently since then, even young people in Nigeria, people who don't know about this tour, they don't know where the phrase came from. They just call each other, you big Dundee United. <laughs> Get away me, you Dundee United. And nobody knows, they don't realise where it came from. Here we go. It's a crazy story. Uh, the topic of League of Run podcast, Paul. Prophecy, the LOI Weekly back for the new season. It's LOI Central and did a good interview with Jack Bourne in episode one. Yeah, Jack Jack actually did a lot of media recently. He was on Ireland AM <laughs> giving his memories of Jack Charlton. Non-existent one. That's Jack Bourne, born in 1996, speaking about <laughs> Jack Charlton, who left a job in 1995. So, lots of memories there. Okay. Cal <laughs> uh, Murphy and Conan Byrne are back. New show called LOI Arena. And you can listen to the first three episodes of that on Pundit Arena's website. You just have to register. And then they're actually going for a pay model, care. Three ninety nine a month. No way. You think of that? Robbery. <laughs> Less than one euro a month, Con says. You know, stay we got a message on Instagram from a fella who does a podcast called Friday I'm in Louis. Yeah, we had to give him the old Yeah, we had to we had to interrogate this fella prof. We get all sorts of chances on a... Uh, on the, on Instagram, you were giving this fellow the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> he, what did he ask? He said, "You want me driver's license as well?" <laughs> you don't know who these people are because you get these random messages going. Hey, you want to see our products and buy some? We love your content. And I was like, "What's your favorite part?" <laughs> Normally, they're just like, uh, <laughs> "Don't know what's what." No, in fairness, he was genuine. He's he's a Roberts fan from Tada. Uh, that's Liam. He co-hosts it with Dale, who's an Englishman. Uh, he's an Arsenal fan who now lives in Nice so he's on the lookout for a League of Ireland club this is the concept of the podcast ah. he's on the lookout to 
follow Lee Varnkel. So is he gonna when up. when things get back to normal? Is he gonna try and experience every home game and then pick his pick his side? Well, at the moment he he has to try and pick it just from watching the streams like everybody yeah. else. But um, yeah, so that's Fridays. I'm in live as in like the way Bill, Bill O'Hare used to say live. <laughs> so L O I V E. It's a play on L O I and live, etc. And so, as they said themselves. It's a League of Ireland podcast following an Englishman's journey to discovering the league and finding love with a team oh. in the greatest league in the world, helped along by his Shamrock Rovers supporting mate. And I had to listen to it and I liked it. I liked the premise. Looking forward to seeing how it goes. He did, he, he hinted that he might choose balls though. <laughs> Which <laughs> <laughs> it would make for good radio if nothing else. Yeah, Rovers and Balls fan. Yeah. yeah, I think I've heard that idea before. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're moving on to the Ireland squad and it was announced the day of our last show and Gavin Bazunu, Big Gav, where are all the keepers big? Big Gavin Bazunu was called up to them and uh, with Mark Travers, another former Rovers keeper, he was next in line, Borky on standby and Kenny said it was difficult to call up home-based players because of the timing of the league or on season. So, great news for Gav Bazunu. And we began our World Cup qualifying campaign with a 3-2 defeat in Serbia, a fighting performance. Former Rovers youth Goalkeeper Mark Travers started, but he got caught out of position and lobbed for the second goal. I'd say, Prof, you were only screaming the house down when this lob went in. Apart from the fact oh. that it was scored against Ireland, but you love a good lob. Oh, man. This this was insane. It was perfect as well, wasn't it? It just dropped right yeah. a foot above his hand. It was yeah. agonising. At first, I was just, I was given out by Travers, but then I thought, like, how how rare is that? To score lobs from that, from yeah, that angle. Yeah, there, there's, there's very few. Twiggy scored takes them. some skill. Mm. But, uh, so, Robert's still the only... Republic of Ireland senior men's football team to win a game in Serbia or the old Yugoslavia. Still only Rovers. Trendsetters, as usual, Prof. Yep. And then it happened. In came Gavin Mazzuno, making his senior Ireland international debut in a World Cup game at the age of 19, a little over two and a half years since he played his first game for Rovers as a 16-year-old. So what a rise is this yeah. and I still remember him in front of the AIK in, in the Friends Arena facing down that wall of supporters and juggling the ball juggling the ball yeah. and uh, yeah. he took to it like a duck to water he was born the year Ireland last reached the World Cup Finals in 2002 next 20 years he's the keeper he's, oh, getting, yeah. a, he's getting 100 caps so yeah. that's he, what you're looking at he deserved a clean sheet too because he was excellent in the game uh, nothing he could do but that goal was unstoppable Super finish, wasn't it? Yeah. He's a bit of a player, yeah, man. He scored tonight as well against Portugal. Yeah, they yeah. they actually were leading up until the forty fifth minute there, Luxembourg. So, um, yeah. So when Bazuna was, when we found out he was starting, all the all the old pictures went up, like the in the crowd with his dad at the game. That's a great one. Yeah, playing for always at the age of nine, and you said it, didn't you? Like you just got emotional watching him standing there for. Oh, the, he was buzzing. For the national anthem, which he was belting out the national anthem. Oh, he was loving it. Couldn't I just got so excited? Felt yeah. like we were watching one of our our brothers or our friends yeah. in goal. You know, everyone was absolutely buzzing. He's such a good kid. Yeah, it was so personal. It was it was just great. Yeah. Um, and as far as we know, Gar, he's only ever done one podcast. One podcast. Just That's the one. Yeah. So uh, Tifty's one two seven. If you want to hear that interview. So we're going to move on yeah. to some doubters, Prof. Robbie Gaffney, he's not impressed by Gavin Bazunu. Said he was his table partner a few years ago. He didn't know who Gilbert O'Sullivan was. So a bit of a history in music for Gavin coming up, I'd say. Table partner in the quiz, yeah. that was. He likes the Rebs, though. He likes the Rebs. Yeah. 
so Stephen Kenny Prof, what happens now? On a quick a quick summation on this. Um he's ten games in, he needs two or three years. Expect no qualification, expect little or no wins. Like that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna promote from the youth, from within. A new style of football has to be born within this Ireland team and it's gonna take time. He gets them a week before qualifiers for training. What can you do on that? Like people don't break it down to what international football really is. And that's what's gotta happen. Give him a chance. Mm. Give him a fucking chance. I don't think we ever should have talked about qualification. No, don't. Just talk about promoting the team and youth and getting better as a as a footballing nation. Don't mind all these bullshit mm. barstool arseholes who have yeah. no idea what, what it's like to follow not, an actual club. I'm not accepting this this is the worst result in international football. It's not, it's not as bad as Liechtenstein nil nil in nine ninety five. Luxembourg have grown a lot in the last 10 years they're they're not bad every um, one of their players not every one of them but they uh, they're all playing for good European teams yes, they're playing in like in the Dynamo Bundesliga like, you stop the fuck off like, you fed up listening to them wouldn't you yeah but um, <clears throat> we're not going to do the full post-mortem I've been listening to podcasts all day about it but uh, it, it does kind of make me think about his time at Rovers about how you know, I mean, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. Like, I want to give him time, but he's he didn't handle expectations well there. No, he's not handling it here well so far. And Ireland don't like being favourites clearly. No, because there was a lot of the players in that game. They were taking the easy pass. Did you notice? They didn't want to take it by the bollocks, did yeah. they? It was like there was no leaders. It's actually a great page in the, in the Evening Herald by Aidan O'Hara. He actually had pictures laying out. Bad decisions made by players. The worst one was Robbie Brady. All he had to do was just play a forward to James McLean. And he played a sideways on the centre circle behind a midfielder. I was like, wow, that just sums yeah. it up. It's pretty but, um, shitty, isn't it? Yeah, so some similarities with Rovers, except that at Rovers, Kenny gave a teenage goalkeeper his debut, and that was part of his downfall. Whereas in this case, no, it was actually <laughs> one of the shining lights. <coughs> That's crazy. I didn't think yeah. it was like that. Good man, prof. And whatever about Kenny getting sacked in the morning. No. Miles Slattery. He should be getting sacked in the morning. No. Did you see his little typo? No. The FBI tweeted. Initially, it said on the jersey, Lumberg. Oh, Mal. Mal. Oh, man. Ray Whelan's going to have to scalp you with, for, with the grub this time. No grub for Mal. And the stat I've been hearing all day is that Mike O'Neill had one win in his first 18 games as Northern Irish manager. And two years later, he qualified for yeah. the Euros. I'm loving that. I think they lost 3-2 to Luxembourg, possibly. Or Azerbaijan, maybe. They did, yeah. I remember them drawing at home as well. But either way, that's, like, that's what you're saying. You have to persist. You never know. It could end in tears. But give the guy a chance. And that's coming from us. Fucking who shot all over Stephen Kenny. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's more great international news as Pico um, played in Cape Verde's 3 1 win over Cameroon on Friday. Now, this is an international game, like, it's a World Cup qualifier, competitive yeah. game against Cameroon, and he played. That's a big deal. And he played 90 minutes as well. This is huge. How, how can this not be trending and just going through the roof? Like, it's nuts. Unbelievable. So, um, it was a competitive debut and they just needed a draw against Mozambique tonight and they did so they qualified for the African Cup of Nations and Pico was part yeah. of that so brilliant stuff from Pico now he couldn't play tonight I think because of some sort of quarantine rule I think he'll be available on Friday yeah. I'm still actually not sure if he's going to be available on Friday is he? 
Um, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna rule him out. There was a story in the paper about the the camel trek that he had to do to try and make it back for this and that game. Yeah, it was nuts. And uh, it was something like uh, Dublin to Lisbon to Cape Verde to Mozambique to South Africa to Qatar. Yeah. And after that, he didn't know. Is it Qatar or Qatar or Qatar? <laughs> or yeah, this is this is a this is a weekly debate with us. Isn't you know it? Who will ask? Winston. <laughs> yeah. He's known for his pronunciations. Yeah, so fantastic stuff from Pico. And once again, we're absolutely yeah. delighted for him. Over the moon. And huge. Like, this is huge. And I, I'm not even going to talk about the other thing I put up in the chat there recently. About Pico. I'm not even going to forget it. Forget I even said that. No. He's with us for the next few years. That's all I'll say. And Gavin played again tonight. Uh, that was that was a one-all draw. I only saw now because I was working. I saw the first 10, 15 minutes, and he, I saw the the flying headbutt. And he was uh, he was right. I think he made the right decision and going out and like that because he, he had to have his hands down by his side. So it wasn't even a booking, and he barely touched him. So it was never a penalty. Mm. But then he made a save after that. Yeah, the header, point blank. I actually didn't see the game at all oh, myself. He's unbelievable. This guy is next next hundred caps, a hundred caps. So yeah, before the game, Brazzer was asking the media like, "Would he be ready?" And of course, he gave him his, his full endorsement, mm. saying like, "Gavin, he has the mentality, he has the temperament to do it." And he said that the last time Gavin was home, and there weren't any restrictions, they were allowed to go out for a game of golf, and he said that Gavin had put on over a stone in muscle since he had last seen him. Whoa, Man City, Gavin on the weights. He, yeah. do you know what? In fairness. When when he left us, he was a boy, and when I saw him make his debut, he was a man. He's a big, solid man. So yeah, definitely, it is definitely is working for him. Um, yeah. So uh, here's our tribute. Now we have our tribute to a legendary Rovers fan, John Danny Boy Cleary, who passed in July 2003. So you'll hear messages from nine people who knew him well, starting with Robert Coggins and ending with his son Dave Cleary. I first became acquainted with John Danny Boy Cleary during the Foreigner era when he and his wife Joan used to travel on the Shamrock Grove Sports Club buses to away games. Joan, like John, was a wonderful Hoops fan and her death in early December 1987 was met with great sadness by all who had known her. John's unrelated dedication to Shamrock Rovers no doubt helped him through that very difficult period. He continued going to games, not just home and away, but in Europe also. I got to know John Cleary particularly well during the period I was doing research for the book The Hoops, which I co-wrote along with fellow Hoops fan Paul Doolan. I, complete, I covered the complete era of Shamrock Rovers before they joined the League of Ireland. I must have spent every Saturday afternoon with Danny Boy at his house in Sandymount. There he arranged for some old hands from Ringsend to call in and talk about the old days in the hope that they would have information and memories that could be used in the book. I recently came across an old recording I did at Danny Boy's house with a man by the name of John Fulham, who was a first cousin of Bob Fulham. This man was reckoned to be the authority in Ringsend on Rover's history. After an hour or so, we were joined in the room by Danny Boy, and a great discussion followed between the three of us as we tried to separate fact from fiction. Myself and Danny Boy walked the streets of Ringsend, Irish Town and Sandymount, and he showed me where some of the famous players used to live. Players such as Bob Fulham, Jim and Mick McGuire, David Bobby Bourne, Jimmy Dunn and Jackie Mooney to name just a few. 
He brought me to meet the famous Billy Bean and a man by the name of Martin Sheridan, whose father, John, can be seen in the team photo of 1904-05. When Rovers participated in the Isle of Man International Tournament in 1997, I travelled with the squad and stayed in the hotel with them. One evening, the then chairman, Alan McGrath, decided on the spur of the moment that instead of an evening meal in the hotel, he was taking the entire group to a Chinese restaurant. I went with them, but left soon after the meal as I had made an arrangement to meet Danny Boy and his great friend Big Deck at my hotel that evening for some drinks. We spent a couple of hours sitting at the bar talking all things Rovers. The players didn't arrive back until after 11pm, but they came into the bar and had a chat with us. I look back at that occasion now and I'm grateful for those couple of hours spent with John Cleary and Big Deck, both of whom have since gone to the great big football stadium up above. The last time I saw Danny Boy was during the summer of 2003, just a couple of weeks before he passed away. On a beautiful Saturday evening, myself and fellow Hoops fan Paul Clayton went to see him at the Royal Hospital in Donnybrook. John had become frail by then, but asked if we could go and sit outside in the open. I got a wheelchair and brought him around the grounds of the hospital. I didn't know that would be the final time that I would see him. I can honestly say I never once heard Danny Boy curse. The worst he would ever call anyone was a nincompoo. In present day lingo, that basically means an effing Egypt. I will never forget John Danny Boy Cleary. He was green and white throughout his life. And in his son Dave and grandson Daniel, who at 18 is a brilliant present day club volunteer, Danny Boy has left a tremendous legacy. Gone, but certainly not forgotten. Hello, Michael Cairns here. Um, just coming back to you, Carl, about uh, people that we've lost in the club. Um, Haji, as we used to call him, was an absolute gentleman. Um, we used to have big memories of him every Sunday. We were running the buses from McBurney's. He'd be always there, nailed on in a seat in the bus with his son, Dave, who has also gone on to be a great Roberts fan, and so was his young lad, which the, the Cleary family have... Massive tradition now with the, with, the, with the club and always had, but uh, Hadji was a complete gentleman, an absolute gentleman, and a joy a joy to uh, to have travelling with us on the away days. And also when you'd meet him up in, in, at the home games, but um, he used to sit with Big Deck on the buses and they'd have a great bit of fun, great bit of banter and a great bit of stick. So uh, Hadji, complete gentleman. Uh, what can you say about the man? Just a great Shamrock Rovers person, true and true Rovers man. And... Um, Sorely, sorely missed. Thanks for everything. Bye-bye. Richard Kiernan here. I'd like to say a few words in memory of a dear friend, Mr. John Cleary, better known as Danny Boy. It was a pleasure and to know him and to go to matches and meet him there and speak of all the old things that he, he told you. It was uh, an education to listen to him. My most abiding memory is the time he told me when there was 20 of them went down to Cork for an away game on a Sunday afternoon. They got the train down and they had a few, an hour to spare. And so they went into a pub. 18 of them went into the pub and the barman's eyes lit up and the order was 17 glasses of orange and one pint of Guinness. So I'm sure the barman was not too happy with that. Other than that, it was just 
a pleasure to know him and his son Dave and his wife Jenny carry on the tradition as a tremendous Rover supporters and his grandson Daniel is now the now the, uh, the stadium announcer. He does a, a fantastic job and as all I can say is good luck to you Dan, Danny boy and your grandson Dan is carrying on the tradition and doing a great job at the hoops. Thank you. Hi, Frank Ford to offer a few words on my memories of John Cleary. Firstly, he had a few nicknames depending on whose company he was in. Danny Boy and later on Old Hadge or Old Hadji. But having first got to know him in his late teens and the huge respect I all had for him, I only never knew him. I only ever knew him as Mr. Cleary. In the late 80s, I got old enough to be able to travel to away games, befriended Mr. Cleary and his son Dave on the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club bus and later on the Hoop Supporters Club trips. As it happened, coinciding with Rovers' first season in the RDS, so I ended up studying in Rings End and I would frequently bump into Mr. Cleary or Dave as I wandered around Rings End and Sandy Hunt area. The talk was always Rovers. If it was a Monday or Tuesday, it would be we were brutal on Sunday, but by Friday it was always can't wait for Sunday and I fancy us this week. I've always been interested in history, so as a Hoops fan, I enjoy listening to any stories in Shamrock Rovers' past. He would have told me many tales, the good and the bad. I've read all about Liam Toohey, Frank O'Neill, Mick Leach, but with little TV footage you need to talk to people who've seen them to truly understand their greatness. Mr Cleary was happy to describe them vividly. The six in a row team, the awful 70s, the Giles area. I know more about these through him than all the reading I've done put together. Mr Cleary also knew the game. You could talk tactics and formations with him, both for Rovers and the opposition, and you were left in no doubt he understood more than most and what was going on on the pitch. When we won the league in 94, we drew Polish side Gornick Zabri in Europe. Travel was a bit trickier back then, there was no budget airlines and Tommy Connery organised what seems like about a week in Prague via Heathrow. On the day of the game we took an 8 hour bus journey from Prague to Zabritzi, got hammered 7-0. It was a super trip all the same with about 50 of us all staying together. As most people know, the beer in Prague is both wonderful and cheap. Back then it was even cheaper as the wall was not long come down and tourism was only starting. We had long late nights out and many a morning as we returned to the hotel. Mr Cleary would be there having his breakfast and his all important cup of tea. Listen to what us lads, most of us in our early 20s, got up to overnight. It must have been in his 60s then. God bless his patience to be able to spend that amount of time with us and seemingly he really enjoyed it. That was the measure of the man. He loved Rovers and all within it. The word gentleman was never more apt. Uh, how you doing? Uh, Martin Moore here. Uh, I've been asked by Dave just to say a few words about his dad. I'm only happy to do so. Uh, just uh, first things first. Uh, there be no first names here. They're impertinent. To me, he was always Mr. Cleary. as a sign of respect. Something he never insisted on. He was an absolute gentleman, an absolute kind, uh, easygoing man. But no, he was always, always Mr. Cleary. Same way Terry Palmer's dad was always Mr. Palmer, the two senior hoops. They'd, they'd done their time. You know, they'd seen Roberts through 10 and, and slightly less than over the years, so they earned that respect. Uh, I first got to know Mr. Cleary probably in the 1990s, the first decade of, of uh, the Hoops SC bus, you know, the golden age probably of it. You know, the, the club started in 1991, and uh, the first 10 years were, they were just the greatest trips. You know, we won the league in that time. But it wasn't always good. Oh, the, what was on the pitch wasn't, wasn't always great, but the trips were always brilliant. Um, 
you know, every, you know, everybody in the but not people from nine to ninety, all kinds, male, female, every, you know, young and old, all mixed in together. There's only one thing it was asked of you, and that was that you were a hoop. Uh, I, I used to enjoy uh, talking to Mister Cleary on these trips about games from the past. One game in particular that I was always interested in and I would love to be there for was the the legendary game between Rovers and the Busby Babes in 1957 in the European Cup. Um, a game he attended and and spoke about with great affection and in a, in a really lovely way. Uh, the way he talked to you about it, it's, it's like you were there, you know. And he tells stories about the band from the terraces, and he was, you know, he was there with uh, Ray Tracy's dad, who was his companion at the match. Like you know, um, books are great, you know, and you can read about Rovers and history books. And it's brilliant to read, but you, you can't really beat talking to somebody who was there, you know. And like Mister Cleary. It's one of the people who are and were part of the living history of this club that we we all love. Uh, the trip I, I most remember Mr. Cleary from was uh, the trip against Garnick in 1994 in the European Cup, the infamous seven nil, which despite the the bad result, was an absolutely brilliant trip. Like fifty went over and we all went over in the same plane and came back in the same plane and stayed in the same place and had breakfast together in the cafe across the road. So it's a great bit of camaraderie there. Uh, Mr. Cleary was basically a, a very much a dub abroad, and uh, he drove uh, Czech cafe owners crazy with his requests for fish and chip. They hadn't a clue what he was on about, yeah. But uh, the first the first night uh, we arrived in in, in to Prague where we stayed at midnight, and of course went back to where we were staying, threw the bags in, and immediately uh, looked for a nightclub. We were also with Tony O'Donoghue, who was over to report on uh, Cork's game against Slavia Prague, and it was also his stag. He was getting married the week after. And if Tony contacts uh, Tales from the East End, uh, we won't we won't actually say what he did uh, on the Saturday night we arrived. But uh, we got back to where we were staying, I'd say eight o'clock the next morning, a bright sunny uh, Sunday morning. We saw Robbie, Robbie Foy falling up the steps. Then we met by Mister Cleary saying, "How are you, lads? We at mass." Uh, we said we weren't actually because we couldn't find the church, but we'd, we'd try and find one anyway. And he nodded and went on his way. Uh, you know, he was a lovely, lovely man. You know, a gentleman and a gentleman. And uh, it was great to know him, even if it was only for a little while. Thanks. My name's Eric Cullen, and this is my tribute to John Cleary. A man of many affectionate names, including Mr. Cleary, Danny Boy, The Knife, Daddy Hadji, and of course, Mr. Say. I first got to know Mr. Say during the turbulent times in Rover's history, known as the Civil War. Rovers were banished to play their home matches in Dalymount. Hard to believe that that ever happened. Things got better though, and we ended up in the RDS. Going to Rovers home and away matches, you meet great characters, and Mr. C was certainly one of them. 1991 was the year Hoop Supporters Club was founded. Mr. C's son, Dave Hadji, along with myself, Tommy Conroy, and Frank Ford were founder members. We had a very active and passionate membership, including Mr. C. He traveled on all away trips, always sitting up the top of the bus. So in his words, he could see where he was going and to keep an eye on all of us. A pot of tea or a club orange was his chosen tipple when the bus would stop at one of the Hoops favorite hostilities that were dotted around the country. Mr. C had worked in the Irish Glass Bottle Company during his working life and its social club in Clonsky was the venue for Hoops SC First Ever Player of the Year Awards. 
Mr. C organised us obtaining the venue. A group of us, every Sunday, would stand in a part of the RDS, which we christened the cage. Mr. C held centre stage every Sunday with his wit and humour. During this time, it's fair to say the Rovers had better teams, although we did win a title under Ray Tracy. Mr. C never used to use bad language during a match or lose a sense of humour. He'd use sort of words like silly billy, clown, and his famous hambone, which he famously used for the first time to describe John Bacon. Needless to say, the inmates of the cage erupted with laughter. On overnight trips with Mr. C, he would always be up like a lark to attend mass the next morning. Indeed, he went to mass every day, walking from his home in Sandy Mounts to John's Lane Church or Thomas Street. My wife Sandra would regularly meet him on his daily pilgrimage, which he did in all weathers, rain, hail, sunshine. After Mass, he would reward himself with a pot of tea and a cake in Thomas Street. He had a huge sweet tooth. I think everybody knew that. He never drank, although he had to listen to all of us on the hoops bus waffling on and on after a few drinks. A few of us in the 90s travelled to Liverpool with Mr C and our company. After the football, food and drink, a few of us tried to find somewhere showing the Tyson-Bruno title fight, which everybody was talking about. We ended up in the moat house. Mr C was great company. My last time to see Mr C was in Vincent's hospital. It was around the same time that Sandra and myself were expecting our first child. True to form, on entering his room, Thinking of everybody else, he said, Well, is it a boy or a girl? Mr. C was a great storyteller and always spoke fondly of his beloved wife, Joan, who he would often visit at her in her grave in Dean's Grange. He loved Shamrock Rovers and will always be remembered with fondness and love by all in hoops. Keep on hooping, Mr. C, up there. Hope they're looking after you. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Jim Conroy. Just um, I was asked to say a few words about my old friend, John Danny Boy Cleary. I just like to say, like uh, Danny was one of he was one of, he was one of the best Rovers fans that I ever met. He 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 really loved the club. I I always associate him with, with with the Hoop Supporters Club, especially when when it was set up thirty years ago. Next next month, I think it was. But he he kind of made the club. People like him in Big Deck. He was he was always a great fun, uh, uh, Danny. You know, he. Uh, 
And the, the odd thing about him he, he, on the bus, I think he was the only one who didn't drink, didn't swear, didn't gamble, didn't smoke or anything like that. But he was, he was, and he was a bit older than most of us, but he was still hugely loved by everyone. It didn't matter what age the person who travelled was, you know. He, he, he literally went, to, he must have went to hundreds of away matches with us and he, he, he always turned up on time and all and, and was always good fun, you know. But he he was he had a great knowledge of the club. Like I've always had an interest in the history of, of our great club. But I'd, I'd always go to Danny for, for if I had any questions or, or his opinions on stuff. And he was he was always glad to help me out. And I'm sure I'm sure Robert and Carl Royley and all that would, would have found him the the, the, the same way. I, I I don't think Carl would have known him, but he he'll understand what I mean. He'll understand what I mean. I'll also remember John's John's funeral as well. It was it was it was a, it was it was a, it was a, it was a major Rovers occasion. But but one of the things that happened that it was, and the priest was saying he was he was so devoted to to religion. He was a very religious man, and but I was, but he said he was always he, ha, he also had a, a lifetime's devotion to Shelbourne Football Club, which <laughs> in in a church in Rings End it was the talk it was the talk of the whole area for days afterwards. What a mistake, you know. But uh, but one of the one of the Cleary family quickly put him right, you know. But we, we had a we had a great laugh over that because to, to Danny, uh, like Shelbourne were always the big rivals. And he he wouldn't be that worried about drums in the old days or or, or bowls in, in, in later times, you know. But the great thing about Danny is that it, it was first of all it was very sad that he didn't get to Tala. He never seen Tala, but he deserved it. But uh, his. Uh, Let's see. His his family are brilliant, and and they keep up the tradition. Like Dave, Jenny, young, and young Daniel. He would have been very proud of, of young Daniel, his grandson, do, do, doing the book celebrating our league win in twenty twenty. You know, but it's a nice time to pay tribute to Danny too, with the with the thirtieth anniversary of Hoop Supporters Club coming up very soon. So, but the thing about it is, Danny Danny's favourite person in Rovers was 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 Big Deck, you know, and the two the two of them were were really very close friends. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. Listen, it, it's a great honour to pay this tribute. You know, uh, we we never see his likes again. See us. Bye. 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 Jerry Glacken here. It was the start of the 90s when we moved to the RDS that I got to regularly meet with uh, John Danny Boy Cleary. Never really called him that though. He was and still is Daddy Hadji. Why? Because he's Hadji's dad, obviously. No, his, um, his son David is um, Hadji, so Daddy Hadji it was. Just like Dave's son, uh, Dave's son is now Little Hadji. Although ironically, he's the tallest of the three of them. It's Rovers. Don't try to play logic. Anyway, uh, of course, Daddy Haji was also uh, known as Mr. Haji, Mr. C, or when addressing him, just Mr. Cleary. Now, the, the Mr. Cleary was out of respect, not just for his age, but more for his standing as a, as a hooper. This man was a connection right the way back to the early decades of Shamrock Rovers. His knowledge of who is who and what, you know, going right back to the to the start. And he was held in highest regard and utmost respect for that. A rover's man, a lifer, end of. And no disrespect to anyone, be they researchers, historians, archivists, whatever. But when Daddy Hadji said 1899, it was 1899. And that was that. All was good enough for me.
as I said, um, yeah, it started in the 90s and that coincided with the founding of uh, Hoop Supporters Club. It was on those Hoops SC trips up and down the country that heads, people, just bonded. There was a bit of a notion that Hoops SC was to to get away from the KNF Brigade, as we called them, and be more of a stop for beer kind of bus. And yet, right up there, right at the front, almost head of state-like, was the bell non-drinking, non-smoking, non-coursing Daddy Hadji. And we loved him for it. Amongst the shouts for pints or bottles or cans, there'd be uh, and a pot of tea or a glass of mineral for Mr. C. Uh, a deceptively mischievous fellow too, this uh, apparently harmless little old gent. He'd nudge you with an elbow, give a bit of a wink and then say something out or, or I get you to say it and then just wait for the reaction. More often than not from his son Dave. I don't think Hadji knew half the time he'd been set up by his dad again. Mind you, he needed that sense of humour that time in um, Stockholm for the Joe Gardens game when some of the opposing so-called fans chucked seats, barrels and anything else to hand at through the windows of uh, the place where the Clearies were sitting having a drink. leave, Leave that day, suffice to say, all came through unharmed, thankfully. Anyway, as well as his mischievous streak, another uh, trait or talent really was um, that he had, he had for um, for when he didn't course, he could make a, a flipping or fool sound like a, a fairly venomous F word. So when the likes of um, young keeper Kane, Alan Alan Kane, I think it was, um, an eagle called a flipping clown. You knew it was serious and that uh, Daddy Hadji was not impressed. Mind you, by the end of Kane's time, everyone, including Mr. C, felt sorry for him and more angry with Ray Tracy for persisting with him and really damaging the bloke's confidence. But I digress. Um, Daddy Hadji. Now, he'd come up with some funny comments and names for players. My favourite and the closest I ever heard him course was when he uh, christened a, a young fullback we had under Tracy called Senna Dukan. Now to get the point across that he wasn't impressed with him, Mr. C christened him Senna Duckers. He always dramatically Duckers, you know, I always loved that one. After the RDS, Mr. C, like the rest of us, made the, the trek over to uh, the Santry Zero. We moved there and elsewhere too, but unfortunately he never made it to Tala. He'd have loved Tala and the buzz of it all. I can imagine up there, I can imagine him up there now though, ordering his glass of orange over the bar from Len Allen and throwing in a hand grenade of a comment for a reaction from Ringo while Big Deck sits, chuckles and steers it too. And all the while young John Conway is slagging on four of them. Jesus, but hoops I see could win a, a bus now from above. <laughs> and with no doubt Daddy Hadji in his seat right up at the front. So um, yeah, John, Danny Boy Cleary. A hooper, a robber's man, proud of his roots and of his family. He's a part of Rovers and Hoops SA, and long may he be remembered as such. Keep on hooping. Recent events have brought about a lot of talk of family. Dad introduced me to the Rovers family when he brought me to Milltown in 77. I was hooked. 
Borden Bread and Rings End, they used to tell me about all these now rovers, legends, who lived on the street, up the road, round the corner, everywhere. Name dropping before it was a thing. He and Mam used to go to games, and then I replaced her before she returned and we became a trio. Heading towards the 90s, we lost Milltown, and we lost Mam. We lost a bit of Dad too, but we got him back, and Rovers helped. Particularly the Hoop Supporters Club. He loved the trips, the crack, the banter, the slagging, the camaraderie, and the odd bit of football as well. There was a lot of great things, not great things about the club at the time, but the fans were not one of them. What sums it up for me was himself and recently passed hoop legend Big Dick sitting together in front of the bus, deep conversation about life, religion, football, both with total respect for each other and for each other's views. Little and large, old and younger, non-drinker and a man who drank a few ales, a few ciders, few G&Ts and a Smirnoff ice all in the one glass at the one time. Two polar opposites brought together by the Rovers family. He was very proud of being voted the first ever supporter of the year. He was proud of the family connection to the founding of the club and would have been over the moon with, despite the fact that nobody was getting into the ground, it clearly was there when they won the trophy this year. We can all look forward to a family reunion shortly. In Tala, sometime soon. Goramahagut, Slodja. So once again, in memoriam, prof, fantastic stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's always someone like that, isn't there, at, at a football club who's yeah. the the gentleman of the club, and they don't drink, and they they get their point across very well. <laughs> so it was brilliant, to, brilliant to hear. I loved hearing about this man. Uh, I asked the whack why they called him Haji, and he said because he wore a jacket with Romanian colours. <laughs> no way Before, yeah. remember Georgie had you what a yeah. player and it wasn't actually intentional but this it, it tied in quite nicely with the Hoops SC they have their 30th year anniversary this month and a debut from a certain Jimmy Conroy prof yep I hell has frozen over Gareth can we eat the game on again Gareth first of all Jim Conroy is on Whatsapp that alone is, <laughs> is mind blowing he, he was brilliant I really enjoyed and, listening and to him and he sent me a, he sent in a voice note and he appeared on the podcast. My mind is blown by mm. all of this. Fantastic stuff. And but hopefully uh, we get him on again for another segment. Yeah. We're calling you out, Jimmy. Yeah, but like I said, it's, it's good time with the 30th year anniversary. Uh, there's a piece in the programme this week by Paula Dunhu, Dunster, on the 30 years. And Hoops SC are sponsoring the number 30 jersey, because it's vacant, in honour of Big Deck. Ah, excellent nice stuff. touch. Excellent. In the programme now as well. Don't forget to buy your programme yeah. bundles. Yeah, and as as Jim said, like they're really carrying on the tradition, the Cleary family. With Dave, uh, his grandson, Daniel Cleary, as we know, does the yeah. PA and Tala. Uh, I really enjoyed every contribution. As Robert Goggin says, his brand new book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed all those contributions, but I particularly liked Jimmy's one and Jerry, the second last fella. Did you hear that one? Yeah, all of them were fantastic. Yeah. But it was great. I love these stories. These are the ones you yeah. sit around the pub listening to yeah. on the way days, you know. I particularly liked Jerry when he's talking about the, some of the players at the RDS. That left back, because I'd heard about him before. Um, and Danny Kane. Boy. Who's talking about the goalkeeper? Danny, Kane Boy, Danny well. Boy called him Duck Arse. <laughs> and he was not impressed by Alan Kane either. I say him and Tommy Tarmy had a few chats about him. 
Mm, so that was it. And like we said, keep an eye out. And we will be here. And if you have any recommendations for family members that you've lost and you feel like you want to uh, get them get get them in this section in memoriam, let us know and we'll uh, we'll have a look at it. So other than that, Prof, here we go with the stats. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out. <laughs> yeah, stats. So here's a good one I noticed. Uh, Aaron Green has scored. On opening day in three consecutive years. Three years in a row. So he scored in that win in Waterford. He scored the winner in, in Bowles. And he got that equaliser against Pats. Uh, we're looking for a third straight win. League win over Dundalk. You know Dundalk are the team who have a hoodoo over us? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We were looking for a third straight league Keegan win. Keegan said that, didn't he? Third straight league win over Dundalk. The team that has a hoodoo over us. Uh, some stats I was going to dig out. Uh, I was going to dig for... But thankfully, uh, Neil O'Reardon did it for me. He said that at 19 years and 35 days, Gavin Bazunu smashed the record for youngest goalkeeper to play in a competitive match for Ireland. Go on. The record had been held by Jim Foley against Belgium in a 1934 World Cup qualifier. <laughs> he was also 19. 34? Yeah. <clears throat> and Shea Gibbon was 20 when he played against Dictionstein in 1996. And Shea had also been the youngest Irish keeper to debut in any Ireland match, which was a friendly. But Gavin has broken that record too by over 300 days. So he's broken two records there. You won, Gav. And in general, he became the first teenage goalkeeper for any European country to start a World Cup qualifying match since Salvini's Jan Oblak. Ooh. In 2012. Look at Ian Oblak now, one of the best keepers in yep. the world. And just a quick one on Pats. I didn't want to read this out last week because, you know, people will say, I'll, I'll jinx us. Fucking jinx you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Pats' first goal against us in nine meetings. Jesus. We had kept eight clean sheets in a row. That's a cracker. Against Pats going into that game. And it was, it was their first goal in Tala in nearly four years. Jesus, and I tell you what, it makes better reading than what it used to be, remember? <laughs> they had a good time against us. So that's it, that's it for the stats and the prof. Um, we are now going on to start 11s and predictions. Right, so miserable attempt there. Picking 12 players, sneaking, sneaking 12 players on. Uh, yeah, so Manus, Scales, Hor, Joey, Gannon and Cavo on the left. I'm going to go McCann and Finn in the middle. I think uh, I was going to play Gary O'Neill but I can't afford to drop a creative player and it's very possible he might not be fit it's a tough team to pick I'm going to go Mandroyo, Burke and Green so no Watts no Gaffney um, tough tough team to pick but I think we'll have enough creativity in the likes of Gannon Cavo I think I think we'll go for a where are we going Dundalk oh god I'm going to go I'm going to go a close 2-1 win. Green are getting another one. And McCann to uh, to get off the mark. 2-1 win. Yeah, like I said last week, I'd love to see Gary Neal back in this team. But it's just too hard to drop anybody. Ronan Finn has been often been our man to match in these yeah. games against Dundalk. Uh, I'm always starting Greener. Agree with you about Scales. Comes in for Pigo if he's not available, so... Yeah, I have the same team, and I'm saying 1-0 win. Oh, a tight one, Prof. 
Stoit. Right, who are you going for for the winner? For the winner. I'm going to say Danny Mandrew to get off the mark. Whoa, that's it. So, um, yeah, that is it for this week. We are a big thanks to our sponsors again, Leinster Credit and Ocean Electrical, of course. And, um, yeah, so we're going to raise a glass, and here's the Danny boy, and hopefully our first win of the season on Friday. Keep on hooping. See ya.